Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. A beautiful day in Ottawa. Can't say that I can complain neither too hot nor too cold. I shouldn't be complaining about the hot at all after our winter, after our spring of nonstop rain. Hello. Good evening. Welcome to the program. This is Beyond the News on News Talk 580 CFRA. And I'm Brian Lilly here to explain Justin Trudeau's latest fiasco. And I always have to say his latest fiasco because... If you watch this government closely, and I'm not just talking about following what people say on Instagram about his photobombing of high school students, a little creepy, a 45-year-old man running around a bunch of high school students at their prom, don't you think, in his short shorts while they're in their fancy dresses? Just got to say creepy. I'm not talking about what happens on Instagram or him appearing on Kelly and Ryan. I always want to say Kelly and Regis, even though he's been gone for years. Not talking about him appearing on Kelly and Ryan and talking about his socks and getting new socks from them. I'm talking about his actual policies, which are a disaster for this country. He's looking at approving another company being sold off to China. He's already seen a high-tech company out of Montreal that the Harper government had said, no, no, the Chinese can't be buying that sort of thing. That is a high-tech company that provides information we need, our allies need. It can be weaponized. It can be used by the military. You can't buy that. Justin Trudeau comes in. Oh, I don't see any problem with that. Then there was this bid by people that had actually been at fundraisers and talking to him about this. There was a bid for BC's largest retirement home chain. And then suddenly, after the fundraiser, where these people were that wanted to talk to him about it, he approves a Chinese takeover of BC's largest retirement home chain, also one of the largest providers of health care in the province of British Columbia. Why? Because when do we use health care the most? When we are in our last years. And these retirement homes are also care centers. So they get a ton of funding from the government. All these warning bells going off, and now there's another one, and this is a company out of Vancouver that actually sells to the Pentagon. And the Pentagon's now, you know, setting off the alarm bells. Before we get into all of that, though, you need to know why Justin Trudeau is so hell-bent on giving the Chinese anything they want when the NDP wouldn't do this, the Conservatives wouldn't do it. It's not a left-right issue. The NDP is... You know, as you'll hear, the NDP is raising the alarm bell on this. The Conservatives raising the alarm bell. The Americans raising the alarm bell. Why isn't Justin Trudeau? Think back. Think back a few years and he's in Toronto at his ladies' night fundraiser and he's asked, which country other than Canada does he admire the most? And you remember the answer. China and its basic dictatorship. There's a level of of, uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, because their basic dictatorship is allowing them 
uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. Uh, that I find quite interesting. Notice that. He says, you know, Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper wants the the powers of a basic dictatorship, but then he says he finds it quite intriguing. Notice that. So that is going to color everything you're going to hear. This company that the Chinese want to take over now is called Norsat. They provide communications technology, as I said, to the Pentagon, to the Canadian Coast Guard, to other allies. And without even doing a national security review, which they're required by law to do, they're just going to allow this to happen. Why? Because Trudeau wants the Chinese to love him. His daddy loved the Chinese. His daddy was in there, you know, while Mao's in the middle of his cultural revolution, literally killing hundreds of thousands, depending on the time, millions of people. Look up the death toll of Mao's China and what communism did to China, how many people died. Justin's daddy was traipsing through China talking about how great it was and writing books on on how great China was. His brother has done similar things in recent years, and we know Justin loves them in their basic dictatorship. Well, now the United States is raising the alarm bell on this. I was raising the alarm bell the other day. We had on uh, Greg Autry from the University of Southern California at Irvine talking about this. Well, the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission told the Globe and Mail that the liberals appear to be willing to sacrifice national security interests of its most important ally in exchange for obtaining a bilateral free trade deal with China. Commissioner Michael Wessel said Canada's approval of the sale of Norsat to a Chinese entity raises significant national security concerns for the United States as the company is a supplier to our military. Canada may be willing to jeopardize its own security interest to gain favor with China, said Mr. Wessel. But he doesn't think that the United States should. Well, all of this was front and center in the House of Commons today. It was front and center as conservative leader Andrew Scheer stood up and asked why they weren't doing a national security review. What the hell does that mean? Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister's is jeopardizing. <laughs> our national security interests and our allies are taking notice. Can the Prime Minister explain what is wrong with holding a national security review, a full comprehensive national security review? Is he going to do it? Yes or no? It's a clear question. It deserves a clear answer. Uh, don't expect a clear answer from Trudeau. Mr. Speaker, every single transition, uh, transaction of this sort is subject to a national security review. This is a multi-step assessment process, and that process was followed. We take advice and feedback from our national security agencies very seriously, and based on that advice, we proceeded with this transaction. But, as Thomas Mulcair is willing to point out, they didn't do an actual national security review. What the Prime Minister just said is demonstrably false. There has not been a national security review. That has to be ordered by the minister who never ordered it. And we know that because the company put it out in an official statement to try to reassure investors. That's why the Americans are concerned now, because there's never been a national security review. 
Never been a national security review, and yet the liberals keep saying there has been one. A national security review is actually defined in the law, in the statutes that govern this. They haven't done one. They talked to some people. Those people came out and said what they said. Maybe they said yes, maybe they said no, but the bottom line is the liberal cabinet decided to allow this to go forward even though the alarm bells have been raised. Dick Fadden, former head of CSIS, this weekend was out saying this is a bad idea. Derek Burney, former ambassador for Canada to China, says this is a bad idea. Why? Because these companies from China are normally either owned or closely um, operated by state enterprises. They come in, they buy the company, they steal the technology, the jobs here will disappear, and they transfer the technology back to China. This isn't like the United States coming in and saying we're going to buy Norsat and we're going to keep operating and it's going to be in Vancouver and we're going to share the information with our good friends and allies, the Canadians. No, this is going to be a pillaging of technology used by ourselves, by the United States, by other allies, and Justin Trudeau is letting it happen. Why? Because just like his daddy, just like his brother, he loves China. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need. Of course, if you know anything about China, you know that that claim is false. China's basic dictatorship does not allow them to turn green on a dime. It allows them to shut up anyone that says you're polluting the country. It needs to stop. Justin Trudeau is a fiasco for this country in more ways than one. And the people of Canada need to wake up to that sooner rather than later. We'll talk about another fiasco. Actually, actually, somebody is lying to us. I want to know who. And it has to do with the gun registry. That re- legislation that we talked about last week. Well, I've figured out more of what's going on and what it means. And the simple fact of the matter is either somebody has something they shouldn't have or they're lying. We'll talk about that later on. Coming up just after 7.30, we're going to check in with Stuntman Stu. He was given an award last night for his efforts to jump in and and get more people to donate blood. Well, that's timely because Canada Blood Services says we need more blood donors. Whatever happened to Sears? Do you remember shopping at Sears? Were you a Sears kid? Did you wear Sonic on your clothes going to school like I did? Sears may be going the way of the dodo bird. We'll talk about that. And Anthony Fury from the Toronto Sun will join us to explain why he says Kelly Leach needs an apology. If you're watching on Facebook Live, I encourage you to join the rest of the conversation. You can follow along at CFRA.com or the iHeartRadio app, always free, Apple or Android. You can find it anywhere. Make sure you do. And thank you to Colin Montgomery for sharing the video. Everyone else should do the same. Listening to the leader of the unofficial opposition, the rebel himself, Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. May I have your attention, please? Brian Lilly's Five Things You Need to Know. 
Well, of course, the most important thing you need to know is that Justin Trudeau is selling out Canada to China. We talked about this at the open. If you are on or near Facebook and listening to the show, please go and share what I did on Facebook Live. Just share the video. I'll have it on my own Facebook page if you don't follow CFRAs, but share that video and let people know what this guy is doing. It's absolutely ridiculous. Now, if I wanted to go through all the ridiculous things that the Trudeau government is doing, I could spend the next three hours just talking about it, from the sell-off to China, the fiddling with the gun registry, the bureaucrat who works at shared services that is getting, you know, appears to be getting away with destroying documents that were subject to an access to information request. Yes, one of my latest videos. I'll tell you about that later on. But right now, let's just stay with the fact that Justin Trudeau is trying to sell us on the idea that allowing a high-tech company that sells to the Canadian Coast Guard and the Pentagon to be sold off to Chinese state enterprises or those closely associated with them is not a bad idea at all. In fact, it's quite good, he says. Mr. Speaker, every single transition, uh, transaction of this sort is subject to a national security review. This is a multi-step assessment process, and that process was followed. We take advice and feedback from our national security agencies very seriously, and based on that advice, we proceeded with this transaction. In this particular case, our security agencies consulted with key allies, including the United States, and I can reassure the member and this House that we will never, ever compromise on national security. (coughs) What? Uh, Yeah, the U.S. is quite annoyed at us over this, but don't worry. Here's the sad part. More Canadians are going to know about story number two in the top five you need to know. Jeff Sessions, Donald Trump's attorney general, appearing before a a Senate select committee to discuss Russia and collusion. And the suggestion that I participated in any collusion, that I was aware of any collusion with the Russian government to hurt this country, which I have served with honor for 35 years, or to undermine the integrity of our democratic process is an appalling and detestable lie. Jeff Sessions, not a lot in there for people that want to get at Trump today, but let me just tell you this. It is sad that more Canadians will hear about that than they were, than they will about Justin Trudeau, his love of China, and his decision to sell out to the Chinese. Story number three that you need to know, the RCMP is saying that the records in the Quebec gun registry were destroyed between April 10th and April 12th, 2015. Completely destroyed, done away with, audited, verified. That's what a deputy commissioner testified before a Commons Finance Committee. And yet, what are we being told in this legislation? That... Quebec and the Information Commissioner can get access to any records that were in the registry on April 3rd, 2015, one week before. Bob Zimmer, Conservative MP from Northern British Columbia, quizzing Ralph Goodale about that today. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. According to Deputy Commissioner Peter Henschel's own testimony, June 4th, 2015, and I quote, The RCMP destroyed the records between October 26, 2012 and October 31st, 2012, with the exception of the Quebec records, which were, to, which were maintained pending the outcome of a Supreme Court decision. When that decision was rendered on March 27, 2015, the RCMP deleted the remaining Quebec records April 10th to 12, 2015. 
Someone isn't telling the truth, Mr. Speaker. Can the minister explain why he is saying something different than the RCMP? And the answer is no, he couldn't. Ralph Goodale, second day in a row, giving no answer at all. Story number four. It's a sad one for me. I grew up going to the the Simpson Sears at the Center Mall and Barton Street, looking at the giant Winnie the Pooh way up above me, so high up I could never reach it, and just loving seeing Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and their their pail of honey and getting clothes. It was the place to shop. It was the place to shop. And now Simpson Sears, well, it's been Sears for a long time, may be going the way of the dodo bird. They announced today the company is going to Well, they couldn't arrange refinancing the way they'd hoped. They've seen another drop in revenue, so they're looking at strategic options. CTV CTV News Chief Financial uh, Commentator Patty Lovett-Reed is wondering why it took the company so long to make the move. When I look at the revenue in this quarter, it was down 15.2%. Now, we did see a slight tick up in same-store sales. But the bottom line, the consumer has changed. They're doing a lot more online, and they're going into fewer and fewer bricks-and-mortar location. I'd like to hear from you on that. Are you actually going into uh, bricks-and-mortar stores still? Are you doing more online shopping? Has Amazon and and Wayfair and all these other places, has it really changed the way you shop? Last story in the top five you need to know about, of course, the Golden State Warriors won the NBA final over the Cleveland Cavaliers last night. But unfortunately, in the Bay Area, well, let's face it, it's Oakland. Police had to be called in. They had to move in overnight. Why? Rioting. In the streets of San Francisco overnight, rocks and bottles were thrown at police. Officers in riot gear moved in and began detaining people who refused to go home. Bottles shattered around police. A bonfire was set. Across the bay in Oakland, it was more jubilant. Some Warriors fans sitting on light poles and spraying champagne. Alex Stone, EBC News, Oakland. Uh, Oakland. It's like the Montreal of California. They'll riot for anything. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Stuntman Stu standing by. He's just back from Montreal. He got an award. We'll talk about that, but we'll also talk about the call going out for you, your arm, your blood, your donations, why it is so vitally needed. Back after this. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Are you ready to roll up your arm and do some work? And by that, I mean go to Canada Blood Services, blood.ca, book an appointment because they are putting out a critical call. Maybe you're like me. Once upon a time, you were a blood donor. I was actually asked by him at Quebec. Of course, Quebec has their own blood service. I was asked to stop coming uh, because I was a slow drip and was taking up too much of their time. But I really should go back and try it again because before that, I'd been a blood donor and, and I haven't been in a long time. And Kind of, you forget about it. And then you hear these appeals and you say, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I'll get to it. it. 
But what we always have to remember is that behind that need for blood is a very real person. And that's why I wanted to bring on stuntman Stu, Stu Schwartz. And you've heard him literally on every station in this building. I thought that we'd escaped him other than for interview purposes on CFRA. But he tells me he hosted an Experts on Call once. Yes, with the boys from La Bottega. Oh, oh, come on. Like yeah. you couldn't pick a, a boring Experts on Call? You had to eat good food at the Absol- same time? Absolutely, Brian. Stu, how are you doing? Excellent. Thank you for asking. Uh, I mean, everyone's been pulling for you since the announcement of it's been 15 months, roughly, since you you, you were diagnosed with cancer? February 15, 2016, and on May 27th, which just, just passed a couple of weeks ago, I celebrated my one year of the bone marrow transplant. And so how are things going? Before we get into the blood donor stuff, how are things going with you, I know, as I said, people are cheering for you. They'd love seeing you out at the community and charity events, hearing you at the, the Canadian Tire Center. How are you doing? Finally starting to feel like my old self. It takes a lot out of you. Yeah, it definitely does. And I underestimated what the doctors had said, and I didn't believe them. Because that... you're a man? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> your, it... your wife was sitting behind you, whacking you in the head, saying... <laughs> Don't be foolish. Exactly. My wife and kids and everybody around me knew what was wrong with me, but I'm a little stubborn. But I finally finally listened, and I'm feeling great. Let's talk about blood donors. It was an award you got last night. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's talk about blood donors because Blood Services has put out this call, and people like you who were in your position a year ago, year and a bit ago, that, that you're the reason that we need blood donors. Well, I had no idea, you know, being in broadcasting for 20 years, I always did the same thing. You know, go out and donate blood, donate blood. I never did it once. And I felt kind of guilty having to ask people when I was going through my journey to roll up their sleeves because you have no idea what, what that does for somebody. I needed blood constantly when I was going through my battle. It wasn't just once or twice. I needed blood to stay alive through my chemo. If I didn't have that blood... I wouldn't be talking to you right now. And that's, that's how serious it is. People are counting on your donations, whatever you can do. So everyone from someone like you who's going through chemo to someone that is um, coming out of a car accident, going in for heart surgery, all of those things, I mean, it's, it's, it's your neighbor. It really is. Yeah, and, you know, you're doing it selflessly for other people, but... You may be doing it for yourself down the road. You know, that's how you have to look at it. It's, you know, take some time. You have to see if you get qualified. But, you know, if you make the commitment, you can save a life. And that's, that's not a cliche. It's the truth. I'm living proof of that because, like, I entered the hospital last year, and I, my blood levels were so low. Had I gone home that night, I would have died in my sleep. That's what it comes down to. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I needed blood desperately. So I'm... Thankful to the citizens of Ottawa who rose up to the challenge, not just for me, but for everybody else who needs blood. It's, it's crucial and it's important, and that's why they're putting out the call. You did raise a lot of awareness, and I'm sure that you raised a lot of blood as well, um, in, um, or you know, got a lot of people out donating blood. You were honored last night in Montreal. You were out partying. I, I saw the, the post on Instagram. You were partying like a fool last night. Well, after the gala. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, an, I'm a native Montrealer. I've called Ottawa home for 22 years, but I grew up in Montreal, and the, uh, the 
the ICRF, which is Israel Cancer Research Fund, honored me last night with a fellowship award for their 40th annual gala. So they chose to honor me. And the first thing I said to them was, is there nobody in Montreal that can accept this award? <laughs> and they said, well, we've been following your story, and you're from Montreal, and you know, we'd like to honor you. So uh, there was a gala last night at uh, Place des Arts, and uh, there was a performer, Andy Grammer, so he was the highlight of the night. So once they got the official stuff out of the way, we partied with Andy, Gra- Andy Grammer and then partied after. That doesn't sound so bad. If once you're a Montrealer, Stu, they don't let you go. I, I only lived there for about two years, and some people still try and claim me. I'm like, hey, whoa, hold on a minute. My wife got to see my Montreal driving skills at its best today. So (laughs) She's like, are you crazy? I I, I once described uh, Montreal as good training for driving in New York City, and someone told me, no, it's more like for driving in India, where they don't know that rules exist. That's what Montreal trains you for. I just told her, keep your head up and hold on. Uh, that that's exactly it. Well, it is easy to donate blood. While Stu was was talking, I was punching in at blood.ca how many clinics are near the station here. And there's 24 clinics in the next couple of weeks near 87 George Street. You can go and just punch in your own address and and see what's there and then pick one that goes to you. Of course, there's always Canadian Blood Services head office. I, I'm guessing that... Um, well, your kids are too young, but I'm guessing that uh, lots of other members of your family are now regular blood donors. Well, everybody got the message loud and clear last year. Uh, and it was, you know, when it hits close to home, that's when I think a lot of people do it. You know, the average person who hasn't been touched by cancer or any, any sickness might not feel inclined. But when it hits you close to home, that's when people react. All right, Stu. All the best, and uh, we hope to see you in the building more often in the, in the next while, because uh, I tell you, it's, it's not the same without your laugh around here. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. All right. Stu Schwartz, stuntman Stu, as he's often known, joining us tonight and, uh, and getting an award. But he is the human face of this need for blood. So do consider going to the Canadian or Canadian Red Cross, Canadian Blood Services. I'm dating myself. It's simple. You go to blood.ca, you punch in your address, you select a range of dates. They'll tell you where the clinics are. You can book online or you can call. But please, go book now. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. When we come back, Sears, going away? Could it happen? For a sonic kid like me, it's heartbreaking. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Today's consumer has moved on um, and in in that race to stay connected with the um, current and emerging uh, consumer who shops either online or in the brick and mortar space, Sears has just not kept pace. That is the view of McMaster University Assistant Professor Mandeep Malik, who is commenting on Sears Canada. Maybe you've heard Sears Canada, separate from Sears USA, but connected somehow. They are looking at strategic alternatives. That's a euphemism for saying, we might sell ourselves off or we might go bankrupt. 
Now, if you're of a certain vintage, say like my age, then you remember when the whole family was dressed out of Sears, when everything came out of the Sears catalog, and there was no happier time than the Sears Christmas wish book showing up at the doorstep. Long gone are those days. What happened to this once-dominant retailer? I'm joined by John Rickley. He is with uh, the John Williams Group. They are retail analysts and joins me now from Montreal. John, thanks for the time tonight. Um, It's... I'd like to say it's shocking that Sears is in this position, but I can't remember the last time I bought something there. Well, you're right. And and it's not shocking, Brian, in the sense that this has been going on for a long time, and we've just been waiting for the other shoe to drop, just as much from a retail perspective as from the landlord's perspective. And like we heard the statements prior, uh, it, they just didn't keep pace isn't that shocking, you know, because a lot of people are pointing to online, online, online. Today's shopper wants to go online. Well, yes, they do, and yes, they don't. I mean, I just walked through the Rideau Center a few minutes ago, and it's bustling, and people are buying stuff. It's a major downtown mall. Not all major downtown malls work, but that one does. It used to have a Sears in it. They vacated that space. That's now held by Nordstrom, but... You know, the fact is, Sears ran the dominant catalog business in Canada and in the U.S. for years. You would think that that would just flip around and you say, okay, let's put up a website instead of printing a catalog. And you're right. It's, it's, it's a very simple way of looking at it, and, and it is not complicated. But you have to adopt these new technologies, and that's what some of the retailers have been slow in doing. And that's the case in point for Sears. Even though you have a catalog and you have large department stores, even overall, if we look at some stores like Macy's and JCPenney's in the U.S., the department store is, is fading. Uh, it's, it's a category that has not seen growth for, for a long time now. And when you look at the strategy with respect to e-commerce, it's basically the way to go. Retailers need now to adapt and have social media front, a, a brick-and-mortar store, and a presence on the web. This is what the consumer is looking for because you're going to get the information even prior to making a purchase. And then you can decide whether or not you're going to buy it in the store or you want to deliver it to well, your home. Yeah, because you're sitting there and you think, oh, I'd like a new set of pots or I'd like a pair of jeans or I'd like ABC. Even cars we shop for online before we ever set foot in the, the dealership. And then you go online and you look and you either decide you'll buy or, oh, I'd like to try that on. Let's go to the store. So Sears just wasn't able to capitalize on that, is that they weren't able to uh, ad- adapt. Is that part of the problem? That's that's part of the problem. Now, I also have to say that the, the, the brand Sears does have baggage. Uh, like you mentioned before, we used to all go and then suddenly nobody's going anymore and they haven't been kept pace or rejuvenated themselves with with a clean and good looking you know brand name i i think they've done some recent efforts with a pop-up store on queen street as as close as april or at the beginning of april and we saw some really good things but it's just not enough and for them to be able to adopt and adapt or adopt and get into that strategy does take some funding well, as they readjust themselves you know a pop-up store on queen it it always seemed a bit odd for me, and I remember a few years ago they said, oh, we want um, – they- no longer did they want the moms that are going to dress their whole families. They decided they wanted the young, single, urban professional. Well, I'm sorry, but there's a lot more moms out there dressing their kids than there are 
young urban single professionals who aren't necessarily going to be living where there are Sears. So I think they lost focus of who their core audience was and their core audience moved on to somebody else. Correct. And, and those are also generational gaps. Uh, you know, with the boomers growing and no longer necessarily having the kids at home, well, you have to learn and adapt to the, the new generations that are coming up. I mean, if we think of the millennial, um, you know, they share the same values than the boomers, uh, but they have that technology, and it's all about ease and convenience that, that, that's key. I feel like I'm being forgotten here. I'm a Gen Xer, Jean. I'm a Gen right. Xer with four kids. Uh, okay. You know, I, I should have been shopping at Sears for the last 17 years. And I got to tell you, I haven't. I think when uh, the twins were toddlers, we maybe bought them some snowsuits. And that's the last time we're talking 10 years ago is the last time that I can remember shopping in a Sears and actually buying something, not walking through to get to the rest of the mall uh, when I happen to, you know, bump into a mall that still has a Sears in it. So, you know, people have transferred to the Bay if they wanted a, a department store or they are online or they're going somewhere else. It's uh, it's just a very, uh, a very different vibe. I, I've heard some talk that the company wasn't able to um, move as quickly because the the parent company and, uh, and investors had just been taking cash out of it. What What's that about? I, I didn't hear that, but there is definitely something that was going on. When we, Each time we hear of Sears Canada, they also make it very clear that they're a different identity compared to the U.S. And as far as those dynamics about wanting to hoard some cash in, um, it's possible, but it's, it's not something that we're, we're focused on. If, if you're, you're actually an investor and you're pulling the money out, um, you know, you've got the Amazons that are ramping up and they're also taking just a huge part away of their business, which is a completely different philosophy at Amazon because they reinvested in their business and in research and development. So when you're doing that, if you're taking money out of it and not reinvesting it, well, clearly we see what happens, right? What uh, Speaking with uh, Jean Rickley, he's a retail analyst with John Williams. And uh, Jean, I want to ask you, are, um, are department stores all going away? We're seeing Nordstrom, Saks move into all, uh, the, the Canadian market, Ottawa in particular. Um, the Bay has been doing very well, I thought, but they're starting to lay off. Is, or th- we just had a big Simons open here. Is just the retail market shifting or are department stores going to go away completely? The department store as we know it uh, from, from our time is fading. Uh, when you've got the Nordstroms and the Saks off Fifth Avenue that are coming into the market, they're coming in with a fresher look and something that's new and refreshing. And you, you just can't, you can't, you cannot have kept the department store as it was. It needed to evolve. And you're right. I think Hudson Bay has done some big steps, but we see also how difficult and competitive the market is by them right. having to announce the layoffs that and, they're, they're having to do. And don't they own Saks? Yes. Yeah, they're big. They in the, they're big in the states, and they're trying to bring some of that brands here. So maybe they're cannibalizing themselves. But you know, I, I mentioned the Rideau Center. It used to be a Big Eaton's behind me That's there, right. and uh, and I know that you're in Montreal. You had a lot of Big Eaton stores there in Toronto, and, and then a bunch of them became Sears, and well, the one here is now a Nordstrom. So yes. <laughs> lots of changes on the retail landscape. John, thanks so much for the time today. 
Thank you very much, Brian. John Rickley joining us from the uh, the John Williams Group. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Do you have memories of shopping at Sears? Might be all you've got left soon. Drop me a line, beyondthenews at CFRA.com. On the news with Brian Lilly. Get some FaceTime with Brian. Join the resistance at Facebook.com slash 580 CFRA. There's a problem with what that minister just said. Mr. Speaker, the Quebec data was ordered destroyed after a failed appeal at the Supreme Court and further confirmed destroyed April 2015 by the RCMP Deputy Commissioner Peter Henschel. The Information Commissioner didn't ask for the data until June 2015, two months after it was allegedly destroyed by the RCMP. Someone is not being honest here, Mr. Speaker, and Canadian law-abiding firearms owners deserve to know the truth. If the long gun registry data is not destroyed, the minister is saying the RCMP didn't tell the truth of committee, a serious accusation. An equally serious accusation is that someone illegally preserved the data. Which is it? That's a very good question. Look, guns may not be your thing, and I talk about them a lot, and I'm not a gun owner. I like shooting them. They're a lot of fun. Still like the idea of doing that range day with, uh, with listeners. We'll figure that out. But here is why it matters to you, whether you're a gun owner or not. The gun registry was said to cost $2 million. It cost us $2 billion. That's not me. That's Radio-Canada. The French CBC, with their investigative reporting, found out that it was closer to $2 billion. Get your best Dr. Evil on when you say that. $2 billion. And it didn't do a thing to prevent Gun crime. Why? Because it tackled the wrong problem. It tackled the issue of law-abiding gun owners, people that like to go hunting, people that like to go to the range, people that use firearms for their jobs, such as farmers having to shoot varmint. That's a real thing. They do need to be able to do that. So the gun registry was a waste of time. It was legislated out of existence in 2012. In October 2012, all of the data outside of Quebec was deleted, but Quebec had done an appeal. And I explain all of this in the latest video I've done for Rebel. You can find it on my Facebook page. And I encourage you to go watch it, share it. Just not now. Listen to me right now because we're on radio. It was all of the data outside of Quebec was deleted in late October 2012. Then In uh, April 2015, after the RCMP, uh, after Quebec had lost at the Supreme Court, it was actually the Quebec data was deleted. Here is Peter Henschel, Deputy Commissioner of the RCMP, appearing in June 2015 before the Commons Finance Committee. I would like to now focus on the destruction of the registration records. Contrary to what has been reported, the RCMP did not, and I will repeat, 
did not destroy any registration data before the coming into force of the Ending the Long Gun Registry Act on April 5, 2012. Consistent with the government-approved implementation plan, the RCMP destroyed the records between October 26, 2012 and October 31, 2012, with the exception of the Quebec records, which were maintained pending the outcome of a Supreme Court decision. When that decision was rendered on March 27, 2015, the RCMP deleted the remaining Quebec records from the Canadian Firearms Information System between April 10 to April 12, 2015, again consistent with the government-approved implementation plan. So riddle me this, Batman. If we're to believe Deputy Commissioner of the RCMP, Peter Henschel, the Quebec records were destroyed in April of 2015, April 10th to 12th. The rest of Canada was destroyed late October 2012. Why then is the government, the current government, offering Quebec and the Information Commissioner access to all the records as they existed on April the 3rd, 2015. I want to bring in Conservative MP Bob Zimmer because he's been active on this the past couple days in the House of Commons trying to quiz Ralph Goodale. Uh, Bob, have you been getting any answers from the current public safety minister on this? Uh, hey, Brian. No, unfortunately, we haven't. Uh, well, what he's answered, I guess, is just uh, trying to put it back on... Uh it's a it's a mess of paperwork, and it was uh, an information uh, commissioner request, etc. But no answer as to why. I think the big question is what you brought up too. You know, even regardless where the copy is and and who gave it to who, his responsibility as minister is still uh, to, to to uphold uh, a former government's wishes, a former uh, public safety minister's wishes, a Supreme Court wishes to see that registry destroyed. Yeah, it was the will of Parliament. It Absolutely. passed in Parliament. It yeah. is illegal to have that information now. You bet. And, uh, you, and, your just, and to make that as part of a law and, and trying to, you know, to, to, I guess, uh, not legalize it, but to justify the copy in existence and then hand it over to another provincial government, to me, just flies in the face of uh, two levels of government. Your um, your party is currently embroiled in a bit of controversy because someone handed over the membership list to a firearms group, actually, the mm. National Firearms Association, yeah. and, and people are upset that their personal data is out there. Well, this is this is their personal data and much more Absolutely. that is being shared and that was preserved even though the, the order of parliament, the order of the Supreme Court was no. Yeah. Uh, well, well, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think... This is what I hope also is realized by even like uh, you had talked about, your, you know, there's people listening tonight that aren't necessarily firearms owners, but this is very relevant to everybody listening tonight in that what we have right now is we have somebody preserved a record. It seems clear that that's the case or else Minister Goodell wouldn't be making a bill to bring forward uh, that particular information to hand over to Quebec. So there's obviously a copy exists inconsistent with what RCMP testimony had suggested that the, it was all destroyed. So what I think everybody should be upset about is that we can see a majority government, uh, a minister of the Crown, a Supreme Court of Canada has all said this is what is going to happen as part of our law and legal system in Canada, laws that we make in this place. Uh, 338 of us represent 35 plus million people. We represent the people that are out there in Radio Land that uh, a bureaucrat of some sort preserved a record illegally. 
And, uh, and to me, it's a big deal. I, I agree. It absolutely is a big deal. I want to play what Ralph Goodale's response to you was when, when you asked him about that, that very question. Mm-hmm. How can you hand over something that, that doesn't exist? And, 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 you know, people lying here. Here's what he said. Well, Mr. Speaker, uh, all of those uh, events... Uh, about which the Honourable Gentleman occurred, uh, uh, complains, in fact, took place under the previous administration. If he's got a problem with that process, he should ask his colleagues who formerly occupied those cabinet positions. All right, so he's kind of implying it was the government that you were part of in the last parliament, <laughs> and they were the guys in charge. I've been hearing, and I put this in my piece for Rebel, and and I'll put it to you now. I've been hearing that it was people inside Minister Blaney's office when he was in charge of public safety that did this. Uh, Those people have denied it, and they say, oh, no, it doesn't exist. Others say it absolutely does. Obviously, something happened, or they wouldn't have this this data. Have you guys had a a discussion within your party of who, who dropped the ball? Uh, well, to me, if you want to get back to the crux of the issue, it's still an issue of who maintained that record. And again, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what the focus of, of my questioning is to the ministers, the minister, we're not in government anymore. We don't have a public safety minister that can make a decision about, okay, there's a, a record still remaining. Uh, we can destroy it. That's not our decision to make anymore. That's the current minister of public safety, which is Minister Goodell. It's up to him to make that right decision. Now, whatever happened before, and again, I I honestly don't know uh, what decisions were made um, about who to who, who uh, decided to keep a record, etc. <clears throat> but he has an obligation to uh, people of Canada to destroy that record, rather than creating a law that really uh, protects the information, and hands it over to a province. So I, I think, regardless of, of where that uh, data came from, that still is an issue, a significant one. I would imagine that it'd have to be more than one person. It could not be simply the minister or a political staffer or a bureaucrat because listening to Deputy Commissioner or Deputy Commissioner Henschel from the RCMP describe what the gun registry actually was, 27 different fields right. inside a police computer database mm-hmm. that you could extract, but you had to delete certain parts of it for the to delete the gun registry without destroying the full database, it would be difficult to extract that mm-hmm. and then to preserve it. So if that information is still out there, my guess is that several people knew about it, several people broke the law, and and I think that we all deserve to know who and why. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think regardless of who it is, I think we all need to know about uh, who released the copy, who took the copy, made the copy for one, um, I guess released it. They didn't release it. They kept it. But if they kept it for some particular reason, that person kept it illegally. When the sitting government and Supreme Court all rule that uh, this is to be destroyed, and then we hear evidence, or hear, uh, sorry, not evidence, but testimony that that's the case. Uh, you know, you asked me about about my, uh, I guess, when we were there. But what we were told in committee, we told we were told just the, the testimony that you just played is that the evidence uh, that was presented at committee, at finance committee, was that it was destroyed. So for all intents and purposes, you know, we saw, we brought forward the law to remove the long gun registry and kill the data, and it went through a procedural, um, you know, where Quebec was, was appealing that decision, went through that appeal, it lost. 
and we went through the whole process and did it right, and we were affirmed or told and confirmed that that registry was was uh, gone. So I don't see how we could have done any more, but uh, definitely need to get the bottom of uh, whoever preserved the record. Yeah. If there is I, I, I remember talking to um, uh, staff in Minister Blaney's office who told me they watched the deletion happen. Sometimes I think that maybe they should have gone uh, the way it was the, the show The Office, where they took out the... Uh, uh, the office machinery out into the field and smashed it to bits. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah, it should was, have been that. I was told the same thing. That, Larry uh, Miller driving over it with yeah. his F-150. <laughs> we would have probably, we probably, I would have been uh, part of that deal. I'm sure we would have all enjoyed that experience. But, uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, we were given the same assurances by that office too that, uh, yeah, it was affirmed that it was gone and uh, we had nothing more to worry about. So if, if something else exists, where that isn't true, then yes, more needs to be done to get the bottom bottom of it for sure. As um, a firearms owner, somebody that likes to go to the range, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you're a hunter. I know you like going to the range. Um, how does it make you feel to find out that um, uh, what you and millions of others had hoped for and had been told happened after the will of Parliament was expressed? How does it How yeah. does it make you feel well, as I, a gun owner, not as an MP? Yeah, okay. As a firearms owner, I think just uh, uh, angry. Because, you know, these are the type of causes you get behind with uh, a lot of your being and a lot of what you believe in. And, um, you know, it's more than just a a small issue to us. It's a big deal to us because we believe that, uh, you know, firearms owners were law-abiding Canadian citizens. And, uh, you know, we appreciate having uh, firearms and and we use them safely. And uh, have this kind of thing that we were promised one thing and given another is just it's just angering and it brings up the whole issue all over again about the registry uh, i think what's alarming to me uh, even as a firearms owner is that how can a bureaucracy uh, again supersede all these other levels of authority and still uh, and i guess and and what the minister is doing today flies in the face of all of that and still puts forward a law has the boldness to put forward a law I guess boldness maybe is in question. They tabled it on a Friday when most people aren't watching. But have the boldness to say, well, this data exists, and we're going to give it to somebody. And here we're even going to make a law to do it. And I've been asking them questions about it since it went on the order paper last week. And right. let me tell you, they don't want to answer my questions any more than they want to answer yours. Exactly. So that was when we saw it originally come forward. It was on a Wednesday. And it was actually an act to amend the firearms registry. And uh, everybody, we were on it right away, and we started asking some questions, and then they must have gotten nervous about it, that it was going to blow up in their face. So they pulled it back and gave it some innocuous name about status and statutes. And uh, yet here we are, and this is a party, the Liberal Party, that says they don't want to, you know, bring back the long gun registry. Well, uh, I called it resurrecting the firearms registry. They're doing it in in a multitude of different ways, whether it's a U.N. markings regime or whether it's giving it to Quebec to establish their own registry. They're doing what they're saying out of their mouth and what's really being produced are two very different things. They're seeming to do their very best about creating registries, and we just need to do our part to to be an effective opposition so that doesn't happen. All right. Uh, Bob Zimmer joining us on the phone from the House of Commons, where he's, you're there till what time, Bob? Uh, midnight tonight, and then I think we have uh, 250 votes tomorrow night starting at 1030, so we'll be here a while. Oh, hold on. That's actually going through? Well, it's still, we're just, we're not quite sure yet. It's still uh, the, the, probable, but we're not sure. This is the move to say to the Liberals from all the opposition parties, yeah. if you don't, um, if you don't, 
or if you change the rules of the House standing without orders, yeah. the standing orders, without yeah. the support of the other parties, yeah. we're going to force you on 250 you votes. Bet. You bet. Oh, wow. Okay, that'll be so. fun to watch. It'll give me something to put on the uh, on the air tomorrow I'm night. I'm going to watch at midnight anyway. Thanks for the time. Okay, thanks, Brian. All right, I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We'll talk about Jeff Sessions uh, for a little bit when we come back. I mean, really, I'm more interested in talking about Justin Trudeau and his love of China's basic dictatorship. That's the real interference we have to worry about. But we'll talk about Jeff Sessions next. I'm Brian Lilly. Beyond the News, News Talk 580 CFRA. resistance. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. And the suggestion that I participated in any collusion that I was aware of any collusion with the Russian government to hurt this country, which I have served with honor for 35 years, or to undermine the integrity of our democratic process is an appalling and detestable lie. I love the reaction of one uh, Republican on CNN. What the hell are we investigating here? Well... What was the what was it like in your meetings with the president? What, what, what was his innuendo? What was, they're not even actually investigating an attempt at crime or cover up or anything else like that anymore. They're just trying to throw anything at these guys and claim it's controversial. Well, controversial isn't the same as breaking the law. It's a huge difference. But Jeff Sessions was up before the uh, the Senate committee today. And committee members wanted to know about the role Sessions was played and, you know, were, were you part of firing James Comey? How and why? And, and Sessions wasn't always answering questions. And he said, look, if I was talking to the president, then I'm not talking to you about that. He didn't invoke executive privilege, but he said conversations with the president. No, I'm not telling you about that. And I'm not telling you about internal conversations within the Justice Department either. All of that had Democrats furious, and so Democratic Senator Ron Wyden said Sessions was dodging the question when he asked about problematic matters that Comey alluded to last week about Sessions and his contact with the Russians. There are none. I can tell you that for absolute certainty. We can, we can. You tell, this is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me, and I don't appreciate it. I like Sessions being feisty. Sometimes he's got this aw shucks demeanor that I think is there to disarm you because I think the guy's actually pretty sharp, but I like it when he gets feisty. This is a political bun fight. There's no meat there anymore. They're just smearing each other. But I'm betting CNN and MSNBC are lapping this up and laughing all the way to the ratings bank. When we come back, we'll turn back to Canadian politics. Anthony Fury... Remember him? He wrote that book on the electromagnetic pulse. He's going to join us. Talk about Kelly Leach's latest column. Says she's owed an apology. Some days, the resistance verges on rebellion. 
Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Yes, we're talking about something other than Jeff Sessions on the program tonight. Can you believe it? I I can't believe the obsession that Canadian and American media, well, I, I almost understand the obsession with American media, but not Canadian media, that they have with Donald Trump. It's like they don't realize, hey, it's it's not your president. Anthony Fury is a Toronto Sun columnist, editor. He is the author of the new book, uh, Pulse Attack. He joins us on the line once again. Anthony, before we get to what you're calling in about, I, I got to say, do you get the complete obsession with Trump and all things American that, that we didn't have about during the Obama years? Hey, Brian, thanks for uh, having me on the show today. I'm, uh, I, I've timed my life quite poorly, and I'm actually shipping copies of my book right now in the FedEx right now. I'm just paying for my FedEx delivery. Um, but uh, you know, I, 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 I understand, find, been there. Yeah, but I, 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 do find the, um, I do find the obsession with it a little bizarre because there are a lot of important things going on in our life right here in this country, but yet people seem to like soap operas going on in other countries. So it is, a, it is a bizarre distraction from some of the big issues happening here. I mean, does, does this stuff really affect our lives on a, on a personal basis? No, it doesn't. You know, if we want to talk about uh, foreign interference in elections, we could be looking at the the Tides Foundation and the foreign money coming up from the states to fund groups like Dogwood and Lead Now to run shadow campaigns. And and we've talked about that before. It, it, it does not get anywhere near the same level of coverage and more people in Canada will hear about Jeff Sessions today than we'll hear about the fact that that Justin Trudeau and his liberal government is is approving the sale of a a firm, a high tech firm with national defense contracts in both Canada and the U.S. to China. You know, bringing up the foreign financing issue, Brian, is, is really an excellent example, because what is all this Trump stuff actually about? Because they believe that maybe the U.S. election was somehow undermined or rigged or whatever because of foreign interference. They say foreign interference in an election is wrong. OK, I appreciate the idea. Well, hold on a second. We have major foreign financing in our Canadian elections. And it's legal. And people are saying, this is nuts. Maybe we should change the laws. I mean, in some sense, we have a much bigger scandal here in Canada than they have down south with all of this whole Trump hullabaloo. And yet, I know that you, well, I wrote a column, you carried it. Uh, there's been a bit of discussion here and there, but it doesn't get the wall-to-wall coverage and and the demands for change that you'll hear even within Canadian media. It, it is a little bit bizarre. You've written a column that uh, I think has a lot of people scratching their heads and saying, what? Kelly Leach deserves an apology for what? Yeah, absolutely. I think she completely deserves an apology because of how she was treated uh, by the press, painted as this crazy ogre for floating her Canadian values test, because we're now long past that. Well, not long past it, but, you know, a couple of weeks is, is a long time in politics. And every day we read the paper and heard Kelly Leach is this sort of, you know, is the next Hitler and she's going to destroy Canada. And she's got this, you know, deeply racist, blah, 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 you know, all the words they throw in there. And then all of a sudden, Andrew Scheer, who, I mean, when I was reading the mainstream press, I was taking it that he was this kind of middle of the road, consensus, compromised candidate. That was how they portraying him. And he wins. And then we read all these pieces and these venerable pundits at CBC and Toronto Star. They tell us, no, he's Hitler. 
and all of a sudden they've dropped Kelly Leach like a hot potato, and and she's like a nice girl again. I mean, clearly a shifting narrative. <laughs> well, not a SoCon. A a game. Not a SoCon, so therefore not as evil. Yeah, well, no, exactly. And they, they heard a glimmer that, you know, maybe Andrew Shear went to church once or twice recently, and therefore, you know, he's as Nazi as they come. It, it, it's just crazy, and I, and I think it shows... Uh, one thing I've always said, liberal media bias doesn't mean, you know, that they're paid off by, by the Liberal Party or the NDP Party. It doesn't mean they flat-out lie, but they're just predisposed uh, to viewing conservatives in a negative light and predisposed to viewing liberals in a positive light, and their mind sort of gravitates that way accordingly. So when they have uh, a conservative event happening, there always has to be somebody who's Hitler. And during the leadership race, they they just decided Kelly Leach would be Hitler, even though Canadian values, when she actually talked about O'Brien, she was talking about women's rights and gay rights and diversity. And I'm like, I, I don't know where you folks are getting this Hitler thing from. All of a sudden, when the election is over, you now have the general party members, Trudeau and, you know, Mulcair, whoever's taken over from him and Scheer. Well, you got to have a Hitler there, too, because that's the way they think. And the Hitler's got to be the most conservative guy. So it actually shows just kind of kind of how ignorant and small-minded and unimaginative a lot of our colleagues in the press are well okay so some people listening uh, lefties mostly will be listening <laughs> and saying well wait a minute you know there's lily hosts a radio show on a big station that you know tens of thousands of people are listening right now and he's speaking with Anthony Fury, who's uh, an editor and a columnist at the Toronto Sun. You the guys two are th- of the vast right wing conspiracy. You, right well, here live on we radio. are the media elite. So uh, what, what's wrong? Well, we are, I guess. But whenever we would have panels or whenever I would write columns saying, for instance, well, I don't know, Netherlands is kind of doing this values test thing that Leach talks about. I don't see it being a particularly Hitler-esque thing. I don't know. Leach is saying gay rights is a thing she cares for. I don't see that as being this ogreish thing to vilify her over. I would get I would get mocked routinely by the liberal media consensus. I would get sent a lot of hate mail by these media elites saying, "Oh, you don't know. She's doing secret stuff, and she has a hidden agenda and a secret agenda." I, I re- and of course, now Andrew Shear has a hidden agenda out, out of nowhere. I uh, my favorite was that uh, two weeks before Kelly Leach started talking about this um, Canadian values test two weeks before the Trudeau foundation had a poll published that they'd paid for. This is the, the Trudeau foundation. And it was, the story was published in the globe and mail. And it talked about how more immigrant Canadians than native born Canadians wanted this type of values test for anyone coming into the country. And it was north of 90%, it was, maybe it was 89 versus 91% for the immigrant-born population versus 89 for, but it was around 90% for both. And kept pointing this out, kept pointing it out, kept pointing out that even after all the, the smear jobs on Kelly Leach and this policy, they were only able to drive it down to 75% <laughs> of Canadians supporting this idea. I mean, that goes across party lines. That goes across demographic lines, geographic lines. You can't just say, it, well, it's the knuckle-dragging white people in Alberta, which is, you know, a very Toronto-centric thing to do for you Toronto folks. Well, I mean, it's a crazy thing, because what all those survey questions were basically asking is, do you think it's better that Canada be like Canada, or do you think Canada uh, should be more like you know, Azerbaijan or be more like Saudi Arabia or something like that. I mean, it's just kind of a no-brainer question. And 
And one of the reasons we need to stand up for Canadian values, Brian, is because there are tens of thousands of people trying to come to Canada right now because they believe in our system of democracy and capitalism and freedom and rule of law and all these Canadian values that we really care about. And they're escaping places that don't have those values. And, and the idea that we would belittle that very concept of standing up for Canadian values when, when that is what makes Canada so attractive around the world. I mean, it's shocking to Justin Trudeau because he may think it's, you know, his sort of platitudes and his selfies that make the country attractive, but it's not. So yes, stand up for Canadian values. And yes, Kelly Leach damn well is owed an apology by all these people who I think ran a racket around her and just chose to make her the villain because, I don't know, they needed someone to make a villain. And they didn't want it to be Brad Trost because he was a bit more of a fringe candidate, even though the results showed he actually wasn't. So Kelly Leach, she was kind of mainstream, a Harper cabinet minister. All right, that's going to be the villain. Let's get her. Go faster, pussycat. Kill, kill, kill. Yeah, that which will never happen in the uh, liberal leadership whenever we have one of those again, or the NDP leadership. The NDP leadership has Jagmeet saying, I have not seen one bad word written about the man from the media party types. And this is a guy who praised Fidel Castro at his <laughs> passing, a man who jailed more journalists than anybody else in the hemisphere who has, you know, he and his brother kept the people of Cuba under an iron grip for decades. And, and, and NDP you know, candidates were praising him. I spoke to Jagmeet the other week, and I brought up that tweet, and I said, what's going on there? I said, you didn't delete it before you ran for office. Normally people kind of scrub themselves clean before they run for leader. Uh, you know, do, do you want to answer for this? And he just kind of said, doubled down on it. And he was like, well... Yeah, I guess Castro's record wasn't perfect, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's okay to emphasize the positive things people did. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I apparently, you know, I haven't seen Hitler's drawings. Apparently he was a painter, so I guess maybe he made a few good paintings. Like, should that be on his tombstone? Like, come on. Yeah, well, valid point, but that uh, you, you will be the exception to the rule there. Anthony, great talking as always. Give us another plug for your book, because uh, I, I know that I uh, did get some emails. People did were picking it up last week. I hope they're enjoying it. Let me know. Awesome. Yeah. PulseAttackBook.com is where you can find it. The real story behind the secret weapon that can destroy North America. It was top 40. It was the 40th bestseller on Amazon out of something like 80,000 books the other day. So not I, bad. People are liking it. All right. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Anthony Fury. Take and of course, Brian. you can read them in the Toronto Sun, the Ottawa Sun, anywhere you can find a Sun paper other than Vancouver. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. We will be back after this. Getting lots of reaction on the Facebook, as they call it, to uh, to a few stories, and uh, we'll get to your reaction to all the stories, all the stories, when we come back after the news at the top of the hour. But right now, I want to run down a, j- just a couple more things. Maybe you heard that um, <clears throat> Justin Trudeau and uh, the PMO were asking for an apology from the German magazine Der Spiegel. Why? Because Der Spiegel had a story saying that Trudeau had tried to get Angela Merkel to back down on some of the language around the Paris Climate Accord. 
The NDP asked about it in question period. All of Trudeau's lefty buddies are saying, hey, buddy, what are you trying to do? They demanded an apology from this German magazine. Der Spiegel's response might be, you can take that and stuff it? They've posted this statement. Der Spiegel would like to stress that the article did not claim Prime Minister Justin Trudeau told Chancellor Angela Merkel that he would call his commitment to the Paris Agreement into question. However, sources within the government in Berlin told Der Spiegel that the Prime Minister suggested to Angela Merkel to keep references to the Paris Treaty out of the G20 declaration in Hamburg. This would allow U.S. President Donald Trump to sign the planned declaration on energy. It's not a bad thing that Trudeau was was doing if, you know, what the Germans claim. He's like, hey, take out references to that. Trump can sign. Trying to be a bit of a diplomat. But he didn't like that he was being called out by the left for mm, trying to say, let's change the language, not mention Paris, not mention the Paris Treaty. Then we can get Donald on board. Oh, that really sticks in the craw of the left. So they called him out on it. He demanded an apology. Der Spiegel's appropriate answer. Get stuffed. Go take a flying leap. Do you remember the story from last year about a an employee from... Shared Services Canada, he's a director-level employee. His name's Val Trudeau. No relation as far as I know to the Prime Minister. But he's also, or was also at the time, the president of the Glengarry Prescott-Russell Ontario Liberal Party Writing Association. And we got documents that showed that he was using his government email account during office hours to raise money for and do business for the Liberal Party of Ontario and the Glengarry Prescott-Russell EDA. Well, this is a no-no. You're not supposed to use government computers, government offices, government phones, government email addresses to do the work of the Ontario Liberal Party or anybody else. So we talked about that and then found out that the initial access to information request that we submitted at Rebel was only got us a few pages. That that was back in June of last year. Then in September, we got a bunch more, but didn't quite know why. Sometimes they just find more and we'll send things along to you. And I did a story on that and it was very clear there. They were leaning on uh, local businesses and uh, local mayors out in Glengarry Prescott Russell to come to a liberal fundraiser saying, well, we've been good to them. And this all coming from the email address of Val Trudeau, the government email account. Turns out, according to the information commissioner, and you can find a, a video that I did on this today, according to the information commissioner, Mr. Trudeau, V, not J, Mr. Trudeau deleted 398 pages of emails after an information request went in. She's now forwarded that information to the attorney general and asked for it to be investigated. The liberal or the conservatives have been on at the liberals about this all week and a bit of last week. And their response has been, you're trying to smear the entire public service. Here's conservative MP John Broussard earlier today in the House of Commons. Yesterday, the Parliamentary Secretary for Shared Services Canada brushed off our call to have the deleted email scandal referred to the Director of Public Prosecutions. 
You'll recall, Mr. Speaker, I asked why this hasn't been sent to the director, because the emails were deleted by a Liberal Party Riding Association president who is also an employee of Shared Services. The Attorney General, a Liberal, and the Parliamentary Secretary, a former Liberal Party National Director, should not be even close to this. Why won't the Minister do the right thing and refer this matter to the Director of Public Prosecutions? The less than stellar answer from that Parliamentary Secretary, Steve McKinnon of Gatineau. Mr. Speaker, I uh, can assure the House that our government expects all of our employees to meet the highest level of ethical behaviour and decision-making as set out by the Values and Ethics Code for the public sector. Shared Services, whose management dealt with this issue directly, took the, issue, took the situation very seriously, immediately launched, launched an investigation and notified the in, Information Commissioner, who in turn, of course, uh, referred this matter to the Attorney General of Canada, as is customary. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. When a Liberal insider deletes 398 pages of emails off a government server, the last people Canadians trust to investigate this are Liberal ministers and Liberal parliamentary secretaries. This is a clear violation of the law. This must be referred to public prosecutions because Liberals investigating Liberals is anything but open, transparent and accountable. Mr. Speaker, what are the Liberals hiding? And what were in those emails that they don't want anyone to see? Well, Mr. Speaker, I can assure the honourable member that all processes have been followed, that the Information Commissioner, who is an independent authority, referred this matter to the Attorney General of Canada. I can assure that this matter was dealt with expeditiously by the management of Shared Services Canada. And I can assure the honourable member that his unwarranted attacks on the independent public servants who go about their business every day and do things by the book is also very well noted. Mr. Speaker, this is more of what we've come to expect from these people on the other side of the House. Oh, that's the Liberal way. Called out because one of your fellow political friends is caught doing party business on government time, using government resources, then deleting the proof, and when questioned about it, just say conservatives don't like civil servants. I want to give a kudos, a shout-out to the people at Shared Services Canada, who, after seeing the first story on this, and trust me, there have not been many stories on this because it doesn't involve a conservative, it involves a liberal, doing Google News search on Val Trudeau versus Sebastian Tognari. Just check that out. You'll see hundreds on Tognari, just a couple at the Rebel on on, uh, Val Trudeau. But when Shared Services Canada saw the first story, their employees said, okay, there's got to be something else. They did what's called a backdoor search, and they went in and checked the backup records. And that's where they found the 398 pages of deleted emails and took it to the proper authorities. That's being looked after right now. But as far as I can tell, no disciplinary action for this person who holds a very high-level job. You're at a director level. You're not a low-level civil servant. You should know better. You're a manager that explains how things work to the people you manage. I'm not sure what the end result should be, But there should be something, and the public should know. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, or 1-800-580-CFRA. Anything you want to talk about? Anything that we've been talking about tonight? 521-TALK.
to you, he's rebellious. To official Ottawa, he's disdainfully insubordinate. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Where's the B-Lil love? Where's the calls, people? 521-TALK, 521-8255. You know what I've got here right now? I got empty lines. That's no good. I got crickets. That's what I got going on. Nothing but crickets. This, This is my show right now. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, 1-800-580-CFRA. Have I, have I not entertained you tonight, informed you, and lifted you up? Have I not lifted you up out of your seat to call at 521-TALK? Maybe not. Do you have any thoughts on Justin Trudeau? I know everyone, you know, on the TV, on the TV, they want to talk about Jeff Sessions. They love the Southern accent. Maybe that's it. They love that it's Donald Trump. Maybe that's it. But I'd rather talk about the fact that here in Canada, we've got a real issue with Justin Trudeau wanting to sell off our high-tech company, a high-tech company that does business with the Pentagon, with the Canadian Coast Guard, with other allies, and it's being sold off to the Chinese. The Americans are warning us about this, and there hasn't even been a national security review done despite, despite what Justin Trudeau says. Mr. Speaker, every single transition, uh, transaction of this sort is subject to a national security review. This is a multi-step assessment process and that process was followed. We take advice and feedback from our national security agencies very seriously and based on that advice we proceeded with this transaction. In this particular case our security agencies consulted with key allies including the United States and I can reassure the member and this house that we will never ever compromise on national security. Except when you don't follow the law and hold a national security review. That's what he's supposed to be doing. The minister in charge, the minister of industry, is supposed to call a national security review. Not just call up the intelligence agencies and say, hey, what do you guys think? Oh, thanks for your input. All right. Got to go. Cabinet meeting. Talk to you later. It's not supposed to be like that. There is a formal process. This formal process has not happened. Tom Mulcair pointed that out in the House of Commons. Not me. Tom Mulcair. The Conservatives and the Liberals, both after them. Also after them, by the way, on why the Liberals are doing away with the idea of making the national child sex offender ratio public. That's right, public, so that you can go on and say, uh, any pervy guys, yeah, it's mostly guys, any pervy guys living in in, uh, my neighborhood that I need to be worried about handing around the the schoolyard? (laughs) 
Mr. Speaker, we know that it's extremely important to protect our communities and our children. We take that extraordinarily seriously, like any government would. We do not pretend that it's not something that they would do. Uh, we would do this as well. They have done this. Uh, they put forward uh, proposals that were unfunded uh, and that didn't actually uh, were able to be implemented. We uh, take very seriously giving our police officers and public security officers the necessary tools to keep our families, our communities safe, and that's what we will continue to do. Um, well, but, uh, you know, you'll bring back the gun registry, but not a registry for dangerous repeat childhood sex offenders. Ah. <clears throat> have a hard time swallowing that one. 521-TALK, 521-8255. John in Gatineau, you're calling in about gun control? Yeah, good evening. Evening. Yeah, I've been uh, gun-carrying certificates since I was 16, and I'm 54 now. And, uh, I mean, a lot of of the farmers, we were were farmers, and uh, our guns were always locked up and safe, and Ever since they pulled out this registry, it's like, you, what do you do, you know? You get stopped and you're carrying your gun down on the tractor going across the field. They ask you, where's your registry? Well, yeah, right. I'm going to go shoot groundhogs, okay? So it's, it, it, so now, Okay, for, for, for city folks that don't realize, this is something that you actually have to do. It's why they call the 22 a varmint gun, right? True, true. What, so why do you have to do it? Fill us fill fill city folks in. Because uh, in a pasture, if you've got too many groundhog holes and you've got cows out there and they're running along or the calves and they get their foot caught in it, it'll break the leg and that's the end of it. You've got to put them down. So you're killing groundhogs to save cows? Yep. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. So people don't realize how strict the gun laws are in Canada, and that's without the registry. The registry just adds cost and complexity and... And hassle for you, but it, it you know it doesn't stop the drug dealers that are going to shoot each other, does it? No, no. They'll 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 get a gun uh, through anywhere they want to get it, and uh, you can get a gun in an hour if you know the right connections. You know? Yeah, so it's, it's pro- probably easier than taking that course. So <laughs> that uh, so now I'm just wondering, my guns are all registered. So what's going to happen now if I go down the highway with you know, my guns are locked, and I get pulled over. The cops pull me over. Do I have to show proof of ownership? Well, well Quebec, how that's going to work? Yeah. Quebec is uh, looking at bringing back the a gun registry of sort. How, how it's going to work, I don't know. And we don't know if they're going to get the full data from the feds. The Supreme Court said they had no legal right to it, and it was to be destroyed. That obviously didn't happen, so the feds are going to hand over gun registry data that's five, six years old to Quebec, and then Quebec's going to start try and start its own registry. The National Firearms Association is challenging the Quebec registry in court, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, nothing changes for you right now, though, John. Bottom line, nothing changes right now, but stay tuned. Well, that's the thing, and uh, somebody told me that if they get, we get pulled over by the game wards, that we have to show proof of, but I don't think we should. Well, you, because, you, have, I mean, you have to show your license. Yeah, my license saying I can carry the firearm, but yeah. doesn't doesn't say that I have to show documentation that it's registered in my name. Well, is the, there is, you know, if you're carrying a an average twenty two or hunting rifle, there is no registry anymore. That's There's, the point being. So, but if they 
they say, well, yeah, you're supposed to have documentation on. Well, you're not supposed to. Like we, st- I still have papers. Like I kept my documentation just in am case. I supposed to go out and burn? Yeah, but am I supposed to go out and burn it now? Should I burn it? Well, I I might have th- burned it uh, that day in a in a party, but yeah, you know, that that's not that's me, not you. I got to jump to the next call. Thanks for the call, John. Okay, you're welcome. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five. Demir in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Yeah, I'm just talking about Justin Trudeau. I think we need the conservatives to come back because the Liberal Party doesn't do nothing. This this Prime Minister we have right now, the economy went right to the ground. We have no nothing import export. We're doing very bad stuff for the economy. I think Justin Trudeau has got to go next election, hopefully, because I don't think I am a conservative and I love to be back. The Conservative Party to come back in power because I think it's very, very, very bad what happened now. You don't see the economy how it's going. It, uh, oh. it it's going to get worse, Demir, because we still have the carbon tax coming in, all the payroll taxes that the employers are worried about, all these other issues that we have to worry about because of Trudeau. Uh, so it's it's not. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And now he's looking at a free trade deal with China, which is why he's allowing like this high-tech company to be jobs, sold off. All the jobs we're losing in Canada and everything is happening, like, not because, like, I'm just trying to say, like, he didn't do nothing for this economy. Yeah. The time he got in, he didn't do nothing. Zippo. I agree. I agree. I'm taking it you didn't vote for Justin Trudeau last I, last I election. never vote for him. I will never vote. I don't recommend nobody to vote for him. <laughs> you need to call more often and remind the, uh, the listeners, Demir. Okay, bye. Thanks so much. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. Uh, still lots of lines open. You want to show some be little love, you know how to do it. Call now. Every revolution starts with a rebel. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. I have a vitally important question for you. Do do you put honey in green tea? I'm asking because I was making green tea out there. I'm trying to be healthy instead of drinking my usual 26er of whiskey on. I'm joking. I don't. Um, I'm having some green tea here, and, and there was honey out there in the newsroom, and I wasn't just wasn't sure. So anyway, it's too hot for me to drink. I, I forewent the honey. 521-TALK, 521-8255. See the, the brilliant, vital questions we deal with here on Beyond the News. Holly in Ottawa is calling in about the police raise. Uh, it's Brian. Hi. Yes. Yep. Hi, Holly. Hi. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, I don't know. I, I just happened to call up. Um, I don't know what... Uh, did you bring up any topics, any specific uh, I, topic? Uh, well, I, I threw out a bunch, but I didn't bring up the police raise, but go ahead. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, that that, that kind of bothers me a little bit. Um, just a little bit. Um, uh, the first hospital will be making... Nineteen thousand uh, dollars in, and I guess that's not very much, really. Um, by nineteen, by two thousand nineteen. Ninety thousand dollars. Pardon me. Ninety thousand dollars. Nineteen, I believe. No, no, no. Police constable is going to be making nineteen. That might be the raise. 
Uh, the, the, the complaint that I've been getting is uh, police constables getting more than $100,000 a year, and, and that's going up. The, la- okay. Last I looked at the issue, in the, yeah. um, the problem for Ottawa is that uh, it just constantly goes to arbitration, and mm-hmm. they look at mm-hmm. what Toronto gets, and mm-hmm. then they say, okay, you can have that too. Yeah, well, that's not okay with me. Is it with you? No, no, because we we have a very different, uh, very different uh, setup in Ottawa. We don't have the same well, crime course. problems. We don't have the labor size retention the problems. The size of the city, so right, right, yeah, yeah. I have a problem with that, but but it was okayed. Yeah, it was, it was approved. Well, like I said, I believe it went through arbitration. I'll try and find that out and get back to you. Thanks for the call, Holly. Uh, yeah, there's one more thing I needed yeah. to mention uh, briefly. I, I saw the prime minister on, on, um, shaking hands with a with a chief on on the cover of the metro. Yep. And um, <laughs> um, um, I don't know what that was about, but some agreement made with with yeah, the. Yeah, they, they signed a, an understanding. Yep. Yeah, they signed an understanding. That's it. Um, and they've um, willed that building over to um, the. Um, uh, the building that was meant for, you know... It used to be for, the U.S. Embassy, yeah. Yeah, and it was going to be meant for a portrait gallery, and, and now it's been signed over for the... Um, An indigenous uh, space, yeah. Yes, and uh, I think that's great. I think that's great. But every... I hear too often complaints about the indigenous space, how we're not, how they're not being recognized, and... Um, how we're not being how we're not being recognized, and I say you're being recognized a lot. I have to agree. Thanks for the call, Holly. Five two one talk five two one eight two five five star five eighty on Bell Mobility. Let's go to Renee in Ottawa. Renee, you're on Beyond the News. Oh hi, uh, thank you, Brian. Um, uh, this is about uh, this uh, Mr. Trudeau. Mm-hmm. Well. I've been here for about uh, 30, 30, uh, more than 30 years, and this is the first time that I've seen a prime minister with an empty brain. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, uh, this, 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 uh, this uh, guy has no diplomatic skills, nothing at all. Because uh, you ask him a question, so that's why probably she, he shortened the... Uh, yeah, question period because I saw the uh, exchange between him and Mulcair, and uh, he's just not answering the question. He, he would, doesn't. He would, yeah, he would stand up, but then uh, the there's no uh, there's no uh, substance to what he's saying, and so many uh, and so many members of parliament ask him questions, the same the same answer. So I I think uh, this is the time that I would say, well. Uh, God bless Canada because uh, <laughs> we yeah we are in a uh, we are in our hands and uh, and you know how how uh, how good he is with the lefties with Castro with China and uh, he loves their he basic dictatorship. Dictatorship, yeah. Uh, so here's the thing, Renee. I always told people in the lead up to him being elected because I've I've known him, met him several times, covered him. I said. He's not stupid, but he's definitely not as smart as his father. 
But now no. that he's been in office for a while, he's more airhead than I was giving him credit for because he won't answer the questions. Or maybe maybe that shows how smart he is. He's asked a question he refuses to answer. He just talks in platitudes, doesn't tell you anything, does he? No, 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 no. You, you won't get any answer, uh, like a straight answer. Like, uh, you know, that's the difference between him and Harper because Harper can, can, can give a good answer. Yeah, maybe well, you didn't like it, but you got an answer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, I, I just, I just noticed that this uh, prime minister is really like a with a, with a big ego, with a big ego. And uh, you know, uh, once that ego is hurt, then that's the time that uh, you'll see uh, the real attitude. Well, anyway, I just right. want to. Uh, uh, voice it out. Uh, so, uh, you know, Th- thanks for the better. call, Renee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I brought your blood pressure down. That's a good thing. I did my good <laughs> deed for the day. Yeah. Five. Okay, well, thank you, Brian. All, right, all the best. <laughs> Call again. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580. I'm getting a bunch of emails on Sears, but nobody calling in to say they missed the Sonic brand of running shoes or rugby shirt or shorts their mother put them in. Maybe it's just me. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Back after this. Insurgent, believe it. The resistance is here. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. The level of of, uh, admiration I actually have for China. Um, Because they're, you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say, we need to go green as fast as we need to start, you know, investing in solar. I mean, there is a flexibility that I know Stephen Harper must dream about of having a dictatorship that he could do everything he wanted. Uh, that I find quite interesting. He knocks Stephen Harper, but says he finds it interesting. He has a, an admiration of China's basic dictatorship. He finds it interesting. Maybe that's why. He's willing to sell off Canada's national security companies without a national security review. What the prime minister just said is demonstrably false. There has not been a national security review. That has to be ordered by the minister who never ordered it. And we know that because the company put it out in an official statement to try to reassure investors. That's why the Americans are concerned now, because there's never been a national security review. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. If you have comments on this, uh, Perry writes in at beyondthenews at CFRA.com. He says, I told many people during the last campaign, if Trudeau were to win, China would become a major factor in Canada's future. This is because of the connections to China of Jean Chrétien, Maurice Strong, and probably other liberals making money on Chinese business interests, along with his own family connections and interests as well. I've got somebody, and it's a strange email address, and I don't see a name saying that they want Trudeau charged for treason over this. Not sure that that would work. Michelle writes that she's not calling in because she just loves listening to me. And a couple of comments on Sears. Um, Want to, uh, where is it? Uh, Kevin writes in saying they live in Brockville, went to Sears a couple of months ago, snowblower 
1600 bucks. Inquired to the manager. They gave it for 1000 Sold. Maybe that's part of the problem, Kevin. They're cutting their prices way too much. Fred says, good riddance. Haven't been in the store for decades. Wacky prices. You could buy tools in Sears. But Canadian Tire was usually better prices, if not craftsman quality. And Mitch writing in, Sears is the store where my parents shopped. I've hardly ever shopped at Sears. That's the problem. They don't seem to have a specific target market. I think they left it too late and will be bankrupt soon. Maybe they should call Target. I I think they really lost their way. And a couple of years ago, they decided instead of targeting mothers, who had been the backbone of their sales, they said, let's go after Young urban millennials um, who would not set foot in the Sears. You're a department store that had been the place that families went for decades. Why do that? I don't get it. Uh, Let's go to Alan in Ottawa calling in on Trudeau. Well, uh, I got a letter from uh, Mr. Trudeau's office. I wrote him about three and a half months ago. Mm -hmm. So I figured you're finally getting to the bottom of the barrel and hoping I'll vote for them. There's probably about as much as a snow chance, snowball chance in, you know, where. Yeah. Well, I'll read it to you. You think you can uh, baffle Gabby with a uh, yes or no what, answer? What, what, well, what, what, what did you write to him about? About living in poverty, and I wrote Kathy and went and never heard anything back. Well, I heard something back from her, but her, hers was even worse. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll read you. It's only a half page. On behalf of the right Honorable Justin Trudeau, I'd like to acknowledge receipt of your correspondence Regarding the Ontario Disabilities Program, I sincerely regret the lengthy delay in replying. Uh, thank you for taking time to write, Prime Minister, and for sharing a description of the circumstances you have experienced. You may be assured that your correspondence has been carefully reviewed. It may be helpful to know primary responsibilities for matter related to the administration delivery of disabilities for services rest with provinces and territories. Therefore, if you do not, if you've not already done so, Contact Helena Jasnick. It's like, so nobody's listening to these poor people. They, they, they always love, they always love jumping in on issues of um, uh, provincial jurisdiction, and they want to tell the provinces how to run the healthcare system and how to run this, how to run that. Which I don't think they should, Alan. But then you no. write, and all of a sudden, oh no, 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 that's not our responsibility. You, you that's want exactly something? It. You need help? Oh. No, we just like photo ops. Now, uh, let's go to Kathleen Wynn for just a quick second here. Sure. Is it her who ordered that duck? Uh, well, they're at least paying for it. I think it was the festival that ordered the duck, but I mean, it, it cost that. In Toronto, it, I would cut the duck's head off. Oh man! Uh, well, you, you know, you'd you'd be a bad shot if you missed uh, if you missed hunting that duck. It's six stories yeah. tall. I mean, what a waste of money! Two hundred thousand dollars. Can they waste money anymore? I don't think so. Uh, have you been to Inspiration Village? Been there. It's so boring. It's sad. <laughs> I uh, I feel like we should turn it into shelters for the homeless when we're done. No, there's a thought. Uh, it'd be better than the places they send you to in Van Nuys. There was rooming houses with bugs in them. Thanks for the call, Alan. All right. Five two one talk. Five two one eight two five five. Let's go to Guy, the Capital Voice Guy. You're on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. Demonstrably untrue in parliamentary language, as per Mr. Mulcair. Does that mean you're a freaking liar or you're just...
stupid? Uh, that you're a freaking liar. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, ben Lobb, a conservative MP, was uh, called out by the Speaker for using unparliamentary language today, and I believe it's because he yelled that Ralph Goodale was a liar, oh, I which see. is demonstrably provable. Well, I was asking Mr. Ellsworth, your esteemed producer there, if he could pull the sound effect of the Mattel um, pull-string puppet sound effect. Oh, like you know, on the back of Woody? Yeah. You know, and then it, it basically... It spews it out like, a line? Yeah, I think it should be inserted in, in, in front of every um, Justin response these days. I must say, it, it, it is embarrassing. That Italian gentleman that called, and I thought really nailed it well, because, uh, you know, he never has been accused of being an intellectual, has he? Mm-mm. It's, it's, it's un, you know, Brian, it's sitting in that House of Commons as an MP. I'm sure, like, people like MP Broussard and others just look across and shake their head and say... How is he Prime Minister and I'm not? Oh, well, no, just this, this, is, this is our government, and this is, this is holding them to, to account. We've got a pull-string puppet that you basically get the same pat answer. Like, can't... Jerry put some new software in the SD card and load it for him? <laughs> they do need to update their answers, but they, they're not in the habit of providing answers. Well, like I we said, work- Stephen Harper, maybe you didn't like his answer, but he defended his policies. He didn't just say, Mr. Speaker, we work hard for Canadians every day over and over and over again with no, no substance to it. Could, could we work on that pull-string puppet sound effect, though, just for... For shits and giggles? We, uh, watch your language. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> watch your language there, and you're going to get me thrown off air. Sorry. Uh, that's something I'll look into. I don't know if we've got it in the system still. I know it was there. We'll see. As Lowell says, if you don't laugh, you end up crying, right? <laughs> Thanks for the call, guy. Thanks. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We're going to jump across the country because we got John calling in from friendly Manitoba. John, you're on Beyond the News. Hey, Brian. How are you tonight? I'm well yourself. Oh, not bad, I guess, for an old guy. Um, first off, Justin Trudeau. Yep. Big-time embarrassment. I just cringe every time he opens his mouth. And uh, the thing is, when you look at his resume, besides living off of dad's money since he was a little kid, I mean, he's not qualified to run a Tim Hortons. I wouldn't hire him to do that. I wouldn't hire him to do much. Well, I, You know what I would hire him for, John? And I've said this, and I, and I mean it in all sincerity, when he gives one of these motivational speeches to kids, to, you know, to the high school kids or the intermediate school kids, go out, try your best. You can do it. He's great at that. Oh, I think his heart is there, but the brain isn't. Yeah. You know, like him going, he's a feminist. Look, everybody, I'm wearing my wife's socks, um, and yet he'll go to mosques and stuff and you know the whole thing with the that sister i was there uh, as he greeted the sisters upstairs yeah while I'm proclaiming like... to be a feminist or the fact that he had a gender balanced cabinet and five out of the 15 women were paid less than the men it's it's scary it's like part of me i like i want to wake up and go oh my god guys like when i go to work i'm like you would not believe the dream i had like it was a nightmare <laughs> but it's true now the reason i'm real calling is um because you would be the man that could find this information. Um, the rebel in the last year has had um, stuff about the vetting pro. Well, not the vetting process, but the wonderful people that we're bringing from the other side of the world over. You had a man that molested six children, six small girls in Edmonton. Okay. You had a, you had a man that raped ten women in Montreal. 
And now the latest one is a guy in Fredericton thought it was great that he could use his wife as a hockey puck with a hockey stick for 30 minutes. Yeah, I saw the headline. He said he didn't know it was against the law. Yeah, and actually he's blaming the government. He's blaming everybody else because that's just the way it goes. My question is this, and you would be the man that could find this kind of information. There has to be some kind of chart or questionnaire or something that when people are coming in, the questions that they're asking these people about themselves, their values, the whole four, as um, an immigration officer, is there any way to get a copy of what they're (laughs) asking? Okay. The reason I'm laughing is that um, we tried from the beginning to say, what questions are you asking? Because they referred to a questionnaire. Uh, They told us there was no questionnaire. We pointed to the minister and the officials saying that there were questionnaires. Uh, They said, okay, we can't release them due to national security concerns. Then they said uh, there were no questionnaires again. They've told me before that I had some of the top officials. I was questioning, why aren't you bringing in Yazidis or Christians or um, Shia Muslims? Because all three of them were being targeted by ISIS. And said, you know, so bring in the minority Muslims, bring in the Yazidis, bring in the Christians. And they said, we don't have room on our forms for religion. So they would admit there was a form. And then you'd say, okay, can I see the form? What? Well, no. But now, isn't there some way with the law, with the, the system that they we have? Act? We have tried through access to information for since November 2015. Okay. And, now, and and they, they give us a different answer. I'd have to check with my guy what the latest answer is, but we've been trying five ways from Sunday, and we simply don't have it. The thing that I was talking about last night, which should um, really bother everyone because they want to bring in another batch of refugees and they want to do it in the same way, is that the privately sponsored refugees are adapting much better to Canada. Because they're brought into, I don't know where you are in Manitoba, John, but are you in Winnipeg or one of the small towns? I'm in one of the small towns, and we actually took in two families last year. Okay, so there'd be somebody in your town or a group that would say, you know, it's often a church group or whatever. Okay, we're going to take care of this family. And they gather around them. They help them set up the house. They help them with their furniture, their clothes. They help them find jobs, help them with the language training, and they've got a support system. And you know what they have in with the government-sponsored refugees? Nothing. Nothing. And so 10% of the government-sponsored refugees, according to their own report, were employed. 53% of the privately-sponsored ones were in November 2016. Interesting. That that should be bothersome to everybody. i got to no. run to a commercial break, John, but uh, thanks for the call. You know, drop me a line at... Um, uh, beyond the news at CFRA.com. And if I find out, I'll get back to you on uh, on where, what the latest is. But we have asked five ways from Sunday for that form and <laughs> still don't have it. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for the call. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Back after this. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. 
News Talk 580 CFRA. Joanne in Ottawa is calling in about Inspiration Village. Are you inspired, Joanne? I'm not really inspired. <laughs> I'm going to say that um, I visited Expo 67 and was so inspired. And I thought um, bringing a group of school-aged children to Inspiration Village would inspire them and make them so proud because I love our history. But um, I've got to say that, um, first of all, Inspiration Village didn't open till 12. And so we went to the park across the, the behind the shadow and we had lunch, but the washroom there was um, inhabited by uh, somebody sleeping, a man sleeping in the women's doll. We oh, all, really? I, I've yes. never seen, yeah, I've never experienced and, anything bad at that public washroom there. That's a great park well, for learning history, though. It is. And we called and 311 and gave us Gatineau. And so we couldn't even call the city of Ottawa for help. Mm-hmm. And then we went back to Inspiration Village, at which we were approached on three separate occasions by um, people under the um, who were either drunk or, or otherwise um, running at us, screaming and yelling at us. Um, we went, got into Inspiration Village to the compartments, to the um, containers weren't even open. The others that we went to weren't ready for a group um, to be there. And um, <laughs> the ones we did, they So you're kind of deflated. Um, it's, you know what? It was so disappointing. The only thing that um, made um, our school agers happy was that they could climb all over Canada, they, um, get their picture taken. But I was so disappointed, and I just thought, oh, my goodness, Expo 67 had such a huge impact on my on myself and I was so excited you know to um to get my children excited and um I was just really disappointed uh, uh, well th- thanks for calling and sharing it's um we didn't even feel safe in the market the well so. most of the time I I do feel safe in the market uh at night I wouldn't recommend it for young people or women walking alone I just really wouldn't but during the daytime, it um, you're going to see some sights, but it's generally safe. I just agree with the NCC. It's a bit of an understatement. They said Inspiration Village isn't where we want it yet. No. No. So I just wanted to say that, um, you know, I thought school groups and, and um, you know, I thought it would be a place for, um, for an educational, to have an educational benefit. But I'm going to say I was... Pretty right. disappointed. So Thanks for the I knew call. more than uh, than what those people did <laughs> that were running it. So anyway, thank you very much and have a great night. You too. Thanks for the call, Joanne. Let's try Thanks. and get in uh one more call. Where do we go? John calling in about ODSP. John, you're on Beyond the News. Yes, for the gentleman that was uh, mentioning the disability uh through ODSP. If anybody out there I gotta do my good part today. If anyone out there has disabilities and especially the ones that need help and need assistance, have a look at page 15 of the Ottawa Sun. And once you've read through it, please read it again, because it's just totally dumbfounding. It's supposed to be put on by the Canadian government, and yet they call it a disability tax credit that you can get, but yet in the article it says you don't need to be disabled to receive it. And on another portion it says if you're being looked after, 
and and ninety percent of your time is taken up with somebody that that is helping you, they must be ones to pay tax before you get anything. So it's really befuddling, and and it's put out by Grants International, and I don't know how the two make sense, but it okay. either well, is I, or it isn't. I'll take a look. I I don't have a copy of the Sun in front of me now, but. I'll have a look. Thanks for the call, John. Take care. Time for one more. Let's go to Dave calling in about Trudeau selling off the high tech. Well, I'll make this fast. I want to talk about the forms first. If they are, if they do exist, and uh, if they do, then they're so confidential you can't see them. Yet the people who fill out the forms must see them. And do they have security clearance to see them? Uh, same thing goes for the questionnaire. Who gets to ask the questions? And if they're not done security cleared, how can you ask the question to those people? So I've only got one more question for you, Brian. Who's what? on first? Third base. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, uh, Trudeau, we got Kathleen Wynne is bankrupting us, and Trudeau's going to ruin the country. Besides the selling off of, of the, you know, clearance, security clearance type of activities, he, he's saying open the borders, come one, come all, no questions asked. You're going to add to our diversity. The guy's going to. So we got one liberal ruining us financially. The other guy's just going to sink us for whatever. I, I, there's no end to it. I, I don't know what to do. Uh, well, it's uh, let's just hope that he doesn't. Uh, this sale doesn't go through. There are real national security concerns. I'm normally not one to say that the government has to get involved in deciding what we sell off, but selling off high tech military secrets to the Chinese. The government needs to be not, involved. Not not a great idea. When it comes to national security, Dave, Take care, Brian. that wraps the show for tonight. Thanks to everyone for participating. It's been fantastic. A lot of new callers, a lot of new voices out there. Keep that coming again tomorrow. Until then, you can catch me on Facebook. You can catch me on Twitter. You can drop me a line beyond the news at CFRA.com. And as always, remember, I'm on your side.